All rights regained before this podcast production. All quotations that are not mentioned in word-for-word format are reassembled and reworded completely in order to avoid any form of actual type of plagiarism and copyright infringement. Unlike Jehovah's Witnesses and those who particularly invest in a world religious cult of Mormonism, the world religion cult of Scientology pertains to the keeping of secretive and highly protective mansions filled with conspiracy and unbiblical thought, as well as highly protected secrets for the past hundreds of years. These individuals also believe in community-based thought, half-reliant on occultism, and half-reliant on something you would probably read in a sci-fi action book if you were still 18 and still reading comic books in your spare time before suddenly deciding they were the new Bible. How did an off-brand space trooper action novel become a secretive cult, imprisoning followers, draining their personal finances, and eventually controlling their entire lives, before succeeding in one of the most deconstructive governmental breaches of espionage in the United States history since Christopher Boyce did that whole entire thing with the Soviet Union? Well, I'll be discussing that with you today as we dive full force into the celebrity popular world religious cult known to everyone as Scientology. Just so everyone is informed, there is a bit of discussion of an abuse, of abuse, neglect, and suicide in this episode based on the history. There is also discussion of skin crawling conspiracy theories and drug use discussion. I'm Jonathan Desart. This is the Co-Exclusive Podcast Show on Spotify and other platforms. First, before everything as always, I need to talk about the coffee that you and your family are currently drinking at this very second. Perhaps you're pouring a ton of cups of your favorite coffee creamer, or perhaps you're taking it straight black, which is exactly what I do from time to time in the morning. Turns out that if you have conservative values, you may possibly be supporting the other side, unknowingly, because as many companies tend to do who aren't black rifle coffee, They enjoy taking your business and of course not openly telling you that they support left-wing causes that you and your family would never support in a million years. In order to avoid this, simply go to Black Rifle Coffee Company for all your coffee-based needs. Black Black Rifle Coffee is a family-owned franchise and stands for conservative standards and their famous flavors such as extreme dark roast and cream vanilla. Go online and order today. Also, if you're a gym rat, which means you do 1 million Instagram reels before even leaving the house, which also means you bench press 400 pounds somehow 12 times in a row, with or without a spotter, which of course sounds sort of dangerous, then you need the best protein build for your workout basis and your body type. Pure protein is the best for any gym rat, and you don't have to lift through a bunch of challenges in order to do so. All you have to do is order online, or you can find their product in stores such as Costco and Walmart as well. Get the most out of your workout and get the help that pushes you to do great things. In the beginning, not referencing Genesis, where, when of course referencing this cult world religion, which of course is not related if you don't already know, Scientology began with the experimental mindsets of Ron L. Hubbard, who devised everything based on a certain space sci-fi novel similar to long-standing shows like Star Troopers and Star Wars, which an amount of stranger theology is included and involved. And of course, Ron L. Hubbard wrote the whole entire thing, and he also constructed his own theological form of psychology that ultimately discredits psychology to begin with. A large amount of people, and this is super important as it, also comes to no shock to others who have studied multiple theologies and the practices of Scientology. They are at times interpreted as more of a business scheme, more than a religious practice. And the primary reason why this is dangerous is to the extent that people who are not churchgoers primarily can easily end up interpreting an actual church in the same way, even if it is legitimate due due to the entitlement of Scientology having church in the name. And I personally don't really understand exactly why that isn't copyrighted and why it shouldn't, to an extent, be a completely promoted legal battle due to the fact that Scientology is not a church at all. 
when you look at its history and its belief system. Now we'll note background history for starters with theology. Devout Scientologists inscribe that people are inherently spiritual beings and as an overall result, take a certain viewpoint of the soul that one Gnostic individual even came up with within the second century, mostly having to do with sci-fi aspects of the entire belief system. First, they state that people have an eternal soul, referred to as a Thetan, which can be described again very differently from the Gnostics of ancient Greek theology and philosophy as an alien interterrestrial being that lived multiple past lifetimes in a far recent extra extraterrestrial universe. Openly, they state to newly attractive followers that there are what is known as Enneagrams in the way of their ability to remember their extraterrestrial lives that keep an individual from finding and remembering that they were an alien past Titan in a past life. And due to this process, an auditor is needed, which means that they need to give them a couple thousand dollars in order to do so. A person newly introduced to this cult will privately have a higher up person in the cult formation audit them using a self-made auditory machine that kind of looks like a red line arrow that moves around on those weight scales at a local gym mixed together with an FBI or police interrogation machine, which is meant to remove the Enneagrams from a person based on the methodology that somewhat mimics an FBI interrogation and a meeting that might be somewhat interpreted by a therapist in private. What is known as the clear, quote-unquote, is the terminology and stated when a new applicant has, uh, has been communicated to be completely clear of all the Enneagrams and is thus interpreted to be ready to remember their past life as an alien being. Now this is very interesting and also very confusing as an Enneagram is simply a, a quote, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagram. And in that word, the ends are, or one of the ends are taken away. And in some cases, the Enneagram is used for two things, a personality test to relate to someone's personality, and is sometimes used by the means of Greek Hellenistic zodiac divination as a way of trying to predict which personalities of people go together and thus interconnected with Greek magic and Greek magic related rituals in one way or another related to compatibility of people who know each other for romantic reasons. But here the Scientologists choose to ignore this and privately and quietly state that the Enneagram holds people back from the achievement of recalling past lives, which is somewhat confusing to the fact that you normally don't see occult devices going against each other in this way. There is a reason for this, however. If an individual attempts to find the people that were interconnected with Hubbard in the past, before he ended up passing away from a cardiovascular complication in the year of January 24th, 1986, with simple research taking literally zero effort, you can find out the informational truth that Hubbard was actually good friends and interconnected with extremely evil people, such as the world-famous Satanist and occultist Aleister Crowley, and was close to Jack Parsons, and was in the Navy with Jack Parsons. And of course, the Navy isn't evil because it's obviously the United States military, but those two people were because they were involved in a group known as Casadea, who practiced an occult belief system that was actually founded by Crowley. Again, who is literally going to join any church that has Aleister Crowley connections? Simply put, nobody in their right mind would think, wow, there's a Presbyterian church in New York founded by Aleister Crowley. Let's all take our children and our full families. Absolutely no one would attend that church who is an actual Bible-believing Christ follower. So in the same way, it is critical that every single founding person in Christianity must be researched in order to finalize on the backgrounds of a certain quote-unquote denomination if it actually can be classified in that way. Now on the basis of the holy books of this group, there is an extensive amount of reading that they require of their followers, and despite the regard of not wanting their studies to be within the public light, they are available on sites such as Wikilinks, which of course has numerous other documentation that was meant to be kept secret by both certain politics and certain organizations. The first one is commonly known as the Bridge to Total Freedom, 
which is rather ironic considering that everyone who decides they want out is frequently barred from social outside world characteristics and potentially barred from discussing their cult group practices as well as everything else related to Scientology as we will continue to get to today. The bridge of total freedom, quote unquote, is meant to be the first step in allowing new participants to recall their past lives as extraterrestrial alien beings living within an extraterrestrial alien civilization in the past, which we have mentioned before. The main idea here is that everyone is and was a past alien life under the rule of Exu, which is spelled X-E-N-U, who was the alien overlord leader of everyone. The thought process then continues to mention that everyone under the rule of Exu was flown to Earth 70 billion years ago, but they were, but they were completely destroyed with nuclear weaponry because Lord Exu was ruler over all and he decided that he didn't want to have anyone remember that they were an alien past life and thus overthrow him. Thus because of this, everyone was then reborn as a result and forgot their past life as a Titan, and thus we now have to regain it again. This whole occurrence is then referred to as the incident, and the idea is sort of similar to the idea of say someone having a car crash and going into a coma and waking up and not exactly remembering the whole thing before recalling it through an intense, much needed amount of therapy. And of course, obviously this is not exactly how therapy works. People normally have a far higher amount of PTSD when they go through therapy and thus remember everything that happens a lot quicker. But however, it is of course psychologically scientific that if people do deal with say sexual trauma that they probably won't remember it for an amount of between 5 and 15 years before going through an amount of extensive therapy and having to deal with everything that happened in the past. This, of course, is thus a very messed up and perverted version of therapy that the scientists enact. The next stated holy book that is referenced in the Church of Scientology is the book called Dietetics, which is also transcribed by Hubbard as all the other books were. This document details the primary relationship between the body and the mind which of course is a highly embraced topic that many cults keep getting developed uh, off of this idea every couple of years that new cults form. The book is also not only practiced by the Scientologists, but is also incorporated by the group The Nation of Islam, which we'll discuss in the next couple months, who is also not really referenced by main people who actually practice Islam. Overall, this documentation is where the Scientologists apply the disbelief that psychology and psychiatric assistance is a practice that is essential and has meaning to society. And of course, every single doctor, psychologist, and quite frankly, anybody else in therapy or psychology would not at all credit any of these writings with scientific research. They would completely play it off as completely false and it would tell you that you are in need of real psychiatric help. Within this book is the following. Everything is documented in three ways and the mind is separated into three separate minds. First, the analytic mind. The subconscious reactive mind second. And third, the somatic mind. The overall complete need within this ideology is to remove the analytic mind from the other two and thus become more ethical and more aware of everything else good within a person by this practice. As mentioned beforehand, this is where auditing comes in. Of course, similar to a psychologist, which is in fact what the Scientologists actually hate and disapprove of, the auditor plays that role anyways, asking a series of psychoanalytical questions for the means of removing the analytic part of the mind. Now the process of this is not really known by really anyone who hasn't been in Scientology themselves, but it could be assumed that the questions get more and more intense and there could overall be the potential of people to simply be more disturbed physically and mentally as the questions continue and thus have worse PTSD from things that actually happened in their past, not related to psychology at all, not related to Scientology at all. And of course, one example would be talking about, say, past jobs someone has worked at and getting some insight into the background of someone before discussing more intense clarifications such as sexual abuse or 
family trauma. Of course, again, this is what an actual psychologist is meant to do, but of course not in this way. It's meant to be done by a licensed professional in a way that is deemed by licensed professionals as both medically accurate and ethical, which of course is the opposite of Scientology. What is even more strange is the theology that discredits a Baptist viewpoint of original sin and absolute depravity in actual Christian churches. This states that from the beginning, human beings had original sin because they were born into it. And of course, this is why we needed Christ to be the perfect sacrificial lamb for us, since he is God and man by Christian Catholic theological standards. Yet the Scientologists do something completely different here. They discredit an idea of absolute depravity and original sin, saying that people are ultimately good with intentions, and the only way to find those perfectly good intentions is to begin to apply the idea of their version of counseling, which of course is the auditing. And of course, separate from auditing and actual philosophy, Plato had a similar view that people are more prone to goodness versus evil. And there were a lot of philosophers, primarily that Plato taught, that continued to have this theory. Now as far as celebrities, there are numerous amounts of celebrities involved, and of course the whole idea of the multiple conspiracy theories that we will discuss closer to the end of this episode is a are extremely unpopular because of the idea that so many celebrities are involved. But we can overall bring up two deep questions as to why celebrities and people in general end up becoming so mega attractive and consumed by these sort of theologies. So why is Scientology so attractive to people despite the fact that the theology sounds like a local Greek or a local geek, meaning a local geek, exposing episode 251 of Star Trek that aired in the early 60s. Well, the first reason is the theology of mystery religions, and the second is the reason of the formation of a secretive community. I'll discuss the first assimilation first. People for thousands of years were always astounded by the idea of mystery Gnostics because it had to do with the multiple ideas of the soul, which is the main mindset here. This is also the main reality as to why New Age movements are so attractive to people. The only difference is that versus the theology such as stabilizing your mind and improving your body, soul, and spirit in a connection to certain plants, crystals, idols, or a process of certain meditation, the theology is set on the mystery of having to determine the quote-unquote truth found in Scientology as a result of reading mystery texts instead of participating in meditations and all those other symbolic idolisms that would become super popular within the next 30 years. And of course, this is again the same idea of Mormonism that although the history doesn't seem to check out, you simply find the quote-unquote truth in Mormonism. It's, it was the same idea back in the Gnostic periods. People wanted so, so, so badly to understand the soul in the Gnostic terminology not allowed to them only that was allowed to them only through certain documentation and interpreting it correctly which is why thinkers would study under the gnostic thinkers and they would try to align gnostic thought with biblical thought it's the same overall concept here only gnostic thinkers are replaced with scientology thinkers giving the scientologists all the power of interpretation instead of those under the ruling of quote unquote church and of course catholic priests can end up doing the same thing and leading people astray, which of course is why being a Catholic priest is so important in the Catholic Church and why it's so important to lead people correctly and effectively in the faith of true Christianity. Now, how many celebrities are involved in the practice of Scientology? Well, there are around 40,000 people that followed the organization in the earliest periods, but there are actually somewhat between 3.5 million people today and 3.8 million people today. Since actors and actresses and musicians in Hollywood are the most popular to be Scientologists, I'm going to reveal the actors, actresses, and musicians and leave all other people uh, kind of left out of this list because if I just include legitimately everyone in politics and everything else, it's legitimately so unceasingly long and it's just it's it's just so unbelievably long you wouldn't even believe it so here are here here's a list of 
47 people who are known in Hollywood to be Scientologists. Anna Archer, Jennifer Aspen, James Barber, Lindsay Barston, Catherine Bell, Nancy Carwright, or Nancy Carwright, who is famously voice who famously voices Bart Simpson on The Simpsons, Kate Sabrino, Erica Christensen, Tom Constantine, who is the keyboardist for, keyboardist for The Grateful Dead, Tom Cruise, everyone already knows that one, Jason Doran, Body Elfman, Jenna Elfman, Richard Elfman, Stancy, Stacy Francis, Doug E. Fresh, who is a rapper and producer, Gary Omnaha, Vivian Cabrit, Alan Masterson, Christopher Masterson, Danny Masterson, Jordan Masterson, Jim Muskibu, Sophie Milos, Elizabeth Moss, Floyd Murtex, Haywood Nelson, Marshall Nichols, Judy Norton Taylor, Michael Pena, uh, Biju Phillips, David Pomerantz, Lee Purcell, Patrick Rina, Hanavi Rabinsky, Marissa Rabinsky, Michael B. Roberts, Rudy Rodriguez, Billy Shanahan, Michael Stafford, Michelle Stafford, uh, Ethan Serpy, John Travolta, again, everyone knows that one, Greta Van Sturstein, Joy Villa, Edgar Winter, and lastly, Mike Wood Mancy, who is a rock drummer from before my time, from the band Spiders from Mars, whom I've actually never heard, and due to the fact that he's a Scientologist, I might not hear now. So, of course, it's very obvious to see that if you're a celebrity, it is extremely likely that you could be thrown into this cult formation, and it's very, 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 very likely, due to their viewpoint on somewhat similar to Freemason, somewhat similar to uh, Mormons, that marriage is super important to have, you know, a thousand children at one time, kids can often be thrown into this cult and never leave. Now let's talk about theology and philosophy a little bit in a deeper perspective when it comes to certain uh, topics of theology and philosophy. So concerning heaven and hell, and this is coming directly from their main website, quote, Scientologists believe that people are immortal spiritual beings who, are li who have lived before and will live again, and they're immortal, and they are, uh, they have immortality as spiritual beings depending on how they conduct themselves in the here and now. And that is coming from the Fundamentals of Thought, which is yet another book that Scientologists have to purchase within the World Religion Cult Group when they have been practicing even for some time. In short, this quote can be somewhat confusing. They don't believe in heaven or hell, but at the same time they believe that they are ultimately good. This means that disqualifying the idea of heaven and hell leaves the idea that so the soul can be reborn to a fuller extent by simply partaking in the extensive expense of auditing versus having the same commitment as other world religions who incentivize that hell would be the final resting place for people should they choose to not follow what is godly and moral. And of course, there are some world religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, which is technically more philosophy, that also don't believe in heaven and hell, but a version of reincarnation. But of course, there are far more world religions that do quantify that hell, or at least a place of condemnation, exists. Now, on another theological note that has been deba debated within Catholics and Protestants alike, what about suicide? Do Scientologists simply not reincarnate if they end up taking their own lives? So although the church won't come out and say it, they have not highlighted the problem in the correct way. The quote-unquote church would end up saying that suicide shouldn't happen, yet mention the idea that Hubbard went on to achieve further enlightenment in his extraterrestrial past and future life after he escaped his body. Really, this type of mindset is, as it would be interpreted by anyone who's not dealing with extreme depressive episodes, or at least probably has dealt with it in the past, to not be a healthy response to someone's depressive actions. Scientology does encompass ideas copied from Hinduism and Buddhism, as we said a couple seconds ago that you will be reincarnated into another life. But of course, that is not at all something that a highly depressed person needs to hear 
when they're actually thinking about taking their own life. And of course, two people, Aaron Pallone and Lauren Haggis, were actually two long-standing men members that actually did end up committing suicide as a, as a recording of The Hollywood Reporter. So it's, it's very easy to realize that people in Scientology do not look at this in a very serious perspective, or at least not as in a serious perspective as Catholics and Protestants look at the whole issue. And of course, actual true psychologists and therapists look at the issue. And it's very, very important that if anyone is struggling and dealing with this, that they get a therapist and they talk to someone right away. And being completely open about this, I also have dealt with this type of thing, and I had to be uh, assessed by a therapist and counselor in the past, and of course that helped me to overcome everything. But of course just simply saying that if you die you'll be an extraterrestrial alien life and it's technically better is the complete opposite of what people should be hearing. Now, when it comes to certain accounts of other biblical standards that are completely repurposed and copied from what Hubbard had in relation to his ideas, there's actually a mansion in the state of Florida, and of course Florida also happens to be the same state that I've said before in other episodes is the crazy Florida man state that has all the accounts of the crazy Florida man in the news all the time, but Florida has this mansion due to the fact that Scientologists have developed a viewpoint before Hubbard died within his last years, and it was mostly developed both by him and his followers combined, that if he was successful in his enlightened alien transcendence, he might return and help others do the same. Because of this, the mansion is filled with everything that was his favorite, similar to a doomsday prepper house or a hoarder house. Everything in there is said to be his favorite foods, and even his favorite cigarettes and all his favorite pastimes, and there are many other legends about what else is in the mansions, which of course considerably get worse and worse with everyone discussing every other conspiracy theory about generally anything related to Scientology. But the unfortunate reality is, as of other governmental conspiracies, as they have actually shown to be true, is that the worst ones are most likely to be the most accurate. This whole preparing of the possible return thought process by the Scientologists obviously copies an end times biblical prophecy concept, but they're obviously putting the pieces together to insinuate that Hubbard was some sort of a messiah figure, sort of similar to Christ, but of course Christ is disconnected from the whole entire thing, and no real preacher or Catholic bishop would ever end up uh, communicating this thing ever. Now, for a quick moment, we will talk about signs and symbols, because as I've said before, every theology comes with the importance of symbols, and I've always tended to communicate that symbols communicate religion, because they do. And the first assembled symbol is the eight-pointed cross, which looks very similar to the normal Protestant cross used by Christianity all the time. The only major difference is the star-shaped points making it eight-pointed, and if you actually notice this, which a lot of people don't, you can easily remove the Protestant-looking cross and focus on the eight points. If you tip the star sideways and add an extra two points, it can easily be assembled into a pentagram, which is obviously the thought concept where the symbol comes from via Aleister Crowley. And of course, he was combining the cross together as a form of blasphemy, but of course, no Scientologist would talk about this or discuss it. This symbol, as I've talked about in past episodes, is very revealing to what certain groups stand for, as I've on obviously discussed the Freemasons, as they use a literal pentagram all the time for their side group, the Order of the Eastern Star, which is related to them. And of course, you can't make that theology more obvious than using the literal shape used by Satanism, as I've already mentioned before. And of course, if you listen to that episode, I completely apologize, because my audio is very, very poor. It basically sounds like when I was in high school and I used to try and record music with no microphones, if that makes any sense. But I'm actually editing my stuff without an editor, so, you know, it, stuff happens. Anyway, the second symbol of this group is what is known as the Scientology ARC and KRC triangles. 
which stands as their main Scientology symbol. What is pictured is a curved letter S, which is meant to stand for Scientology, and a top triangle and bottom triangle, which are the key aspects that Scientologists are meant to strive for in every life that they have. The first, tri the first triangle is known as the ARC or ARC triangle, which stands as an acronym for affinity or love and affection or liking. The R stands for reality or their interpretation of it. And finally, C standing for communication, which comes from the practices of auditing and their practices of it. The second triangle is known as the KRC triangle, or I guess you could say the Kark triangle, which I don't think that's a word, but anyway, is another acronym that stands for the concepts of K for knowledge, R for responsibility, and C for control, which to them is supposed to mean a positive outlook for Scientologists, but of course can overall end up referring to their pact altogether of keeping quiet and not revealing everything about Scientology to the world as soon as they join the infamous C organization who actually conducts the auditing and also conducts interrogations to keep people quiet. Now the C organization is the main group in line with most of the conspiracies and they are referred to as the C organization due to the fact that they wear Navy C uniforms as their main look. And of course this has been teased in shows such as American Dad and Family Guy. And now the reason why they do this is because they copy the naval look as their main symbol for the structured organizational group, which is somehow not copyright infringement, although it's literally taken from the US military. And this again is you know, the source for the main conspiracies, but the main reason why they wear the Navy SEAL clothing to begin with is because Hubbard actually had service in the military during the Second World War, shortly following after the attack of Pearl Harbor. Right after his military service was the point in which, again, he became a friend of the occultist group and of Crowley, making it a major stepping stone for the history of this quote-unquote religion. And of course, after that, everyone just followed in the footsteps, and when they joined the Sea Organization, they wear the same uniform. Now, of course, people can call me a conspiracy theorist for communicating this idea, and it is possible that it has been referenced beforehand by someone else and someone else's thoughts. So if anyone is out there and someone thought this beforehand on Reddit or something like that, I apologize. You know, we can talk back and forth about our ideas concerning this, and I don't mean to steal anyone's idea. But when I look at this, I see that the S in Scientology could very well mean serpent instead of Scientology. And that could have been its original meaning and mindset when Crowley was communicating with Hubbard. Because of this, they probably have a multitude of ties to organizations that nobody knowing that information, unless they were brainwashed into thinking a certain psychological way, or confused in the mindset of a certain theology that isn't biblical, would ever want to be a part of. And of course we went over that earlier with the whole Aleister Crowley Presbyterian Church idea at the beginning. So, as for prophecy, some adaptations do occur, similar to when the Catholics put out Mary and other saints on a church pedestal, and I've mentioned before to a certain degree that it's important to do so in a certain way, but just not in a way where they're you know, praying to them. Mainstream Scientologists do in fact end up treating John L. Hubbard like a mess messianic figure similar to Jesus Christ. The difference is Jesus is not included, and the end times concept from Revelation is replaced with the idea that a person can achieve higher existence and another life outside of their body after dying through the concepts of Scientology versus the whole idea that Jesus will return and judge the living and the dead from Revelation. And of course this mirrors the concept of Jesus returning from his ascension into heaven from the New Testament of the Bible and of course is the main idea copied from the Mormon quote-unquote church simply reassessed to fit Mormon theology instead of mainstream Christian theology. So, as with a lot of cult groups, you might be wondering, what restrictions are there? What restrictions are there for Scientologists and what can they not take part in? So we will discuss some restrictions right now, because like mainstream Christianity and other sects and cults, they have their own theology basis that needs to dictate and guide you to a concept of a holy life, so to speak, and there are many other things that Scientologists cannot participate in if they actually practice their Scientology beliefs. 
So now as we come to this point in our show, here are 10 actions that are completely prohibited by the studies of Scientology. And of course, mind you, some of these practices are bad, why some of these concepts can be perceived to be good in somewhat of an ethical sense. Only the Church of Scientology is anything but ethical, and they kind of steer it in their own way. So number one, they cannot participate in drinking or smoking before or during an RM session. So this aspect is interesting for many reasons. First, Buddhist thought, which of course Buddhist thought, as we've mentioned before, is somewhat intertwined with Scientology thought, and they, they copy the whole thing off of it. But Buddhist thought would dictate that achieving purity of the heart, body, soul, and mind is required but by abstaining from alcohol, sexual desire, drug paraphernalia, and other bodily desires. Yeah, when it comes to Scientology, people can have sex and people can drink if they want to, but just not during a six or eight hundred or a thousand dollar RM session done in private, as the Scientology community states that it could end up messing up the fight in past life auditing processes, which is something you'd expect them to say. Of course, this should raise questions about the realism of the whole actions of the Scientology based community since people both wouldn't be impaired depending on the amount of alcohol consumed during an arting session and also how can they prove that drinking affects their own fighting idea in the first place and second it's important that there are structures in place that clearly state certain actions should not be participated in such as idolatry as an example and meth use as another now Scientology does also have these restrictions attached although the church would not say that this is necessarily true. Like, if they would be against meth use and they would be against idolatry, but the church has very, very, very hardcore thought processes when it comes to a woman having uh, a child outside of the line of marriage. They actually, uh, by the by, the documentary that was released decently recently. The Church of Scientology is said to have tried to force every woman who had sex outside of marriage to actually have an abortion. And I would say that this is definitely a true fact. And of course, there's two evil things here. First is the abortion to begin with, and second is the complete uprooting of people's purposes to be changed individuals even after an affair of premarital sex. The first step in a Catholic Church or Protestant Church, of course, would be to have real counseling sessions in real relationships with priests or pastors in the church that are appropriate and therapeutic. The overall problems are infested uh, within the facts of the auditors, and, and they're not anywhere close to actual pastors or priests in any way, shape, or form. And just to connect this idea more clearly, here are some quotations from the Book of uh, Discipline in the Catholic Church as an example. And this, of course, uh, clearly from the Catholic Church concerns children uh, and how much of a gift they are and how real we should be inclined to treat them even if they are done so even if they are excuse me even if they are uh, born out of wedlock a child quote is not simply owed to one but is a gift from God the supreme gift of marriage is a human person a child may not be considered a piece of property, an idea to which the right of a child would lead, unquote. And on the cause that the child is brought into the world by a scenario other than a healthy marriage, quote, the legitimation of the child does not depend on the will of their parents and takes place even when the latter are unwilling or even when the marriage has been celebrated after other marriages contracted during its interim, unquote. So here it's obvious that the children in any situation, though that situation is preferred to be in marriage, in a marriage partnership, must be treated as a gift from God for a byproduct to be destroyed. And if the Church of Scientology was an actual church, they would have a similar perspective on children to be legitimate, even if they were brought into the world in an unconventional way that would not be preferred by most cultures or the church in general. The reason the Scientology quote-unquote church wants or would want the women to get abortions is again because they think a woman who has an out-of-wedlock child is in danger of destroying their fighting connection, which simply stands as a by-reason to terminate a pregnancy for the reason of control and a restraint from morality because abortion, of course, is immoral. 2. 
Scientologists cannot badmouth other religions. Now this is a bit of a better one because no one should technically badmouth any religious system, but at the same time the process of asking theological questions and challenging a belief system for the purpose of simple debate shouldn't be restricted. And of course they would probably agree that many possibly hold to a different standard in their privacy of the mansions and the main private sectors of the cult facilities. And as soon as you're in line with the cult system and the cult group, they'll probably try to control you in a more controlling fashion than just simply, hey, don't say this or hey, don't say that. Number four, they are not allowed to dance. Now this is somewhat like the theology of a lot of Baptists today on the side of the American Baptist Association. Though it's completely not related to Scientology whatsoever, American Baptists would theology, theologically state that any dancing whatsoever ends up becoming highly sinful and highly sexual in nature. Scientologists would communicate that dancing and participating in outside lifestyles will again harm their thigh and soul connection that they believe people have. On the end of the American Baptist thought, it's essential to bring up the fact that the Psalms discusses the literal action of dancing to be used as a praise to God and can be used as a praise to God. And of course, that of course is not actually communicating that sexually dancing in a club on a Thursday night with your quote unquote girlfriends, as people tend to say today for a gross night out, is at all the same thing. But of course, it is essential to bring up the fact that having a normal life in the presence of a stable community is very important. Number five, they cannot be homosexual. And this is mostly because of the book of dietetics that is actually based in part on one of the Sigmund Feud or Sigmund Freud lectures, which Sigmund, uh, although having some extremely unethical and rather demeaning insights on women and sexuality in general through the terminology, still held to the belief that being homosexual was not the way uh, that nature intended, or in his view, nature intended, due to the fact that he was in fact a nihilist. And clearly this is what the left politically needs to realize, that you can't just scream and shout, and you have to realize that other religious viewpoints just simply have their own traditions. Number six, your money is now the Church of Scientology's money. Now this clarification is decently similar to the idea that the Catholic Church did have for some time an ideology that the Mormon Church also has had for basically their whole time, that tithing should happen and you should give money to the church in order to be a member in order to go there at all, but at the same time happening to a different tune. This overall occurrence means that they want to control your account and keep reinforcing and adding new items to purchase, such as the books written by Hubbard, and for the means of knowledge in order to be reincarnated in a second life, a third life, fourth life, and all the other lives after that. The Catholic Church, of course, did this as well and they tried to force people to overtide their money as a result of saying it was the only way to be saved, but obviously this is not something that people should actually use to gain membership to churches, as everyone has witnessed and read about to some extent. Yes, this is one of the ways God can work through the action of tithing and missions work for the support and ministry, but also if it is misused, this is one of the many ways that religions become cults in the first place. And of course, that can give birth to criminality. Number seven, members cannot have sex between other members within the church that they are currently working with. And this makes sense, but they take it to another extreme where they legitimately say that people that are working within a church cannot have any sex whatsoever with people they meet unless they find their thigh in connection. Now very quickly I have to talk about Operation Snow White and their views cover-ups. And of course they're the most well-documented historical stance of espionage and fraud that ever occurred. So the Church of Scientology formed what would later be known as Operation Snow White, which started out as a plan that would later be put into action by the church and its many members. Due to the fact that the church was beginning to assume that they would begin to have heavy pushback against their organization, they recruited 5,000 church members to act as secret double agents and they actually ended up having major success in this. In order to do this, the double agents worked with the Church of Scientology and they wiretapped wire government 
bureaus illegally, and they did this for the purpose of destroying documents and participating in theft of documents and committed infiltration in the local governments. And they did this by doing the normal job interviews and they got about a, they got a couple hundred jobs within private bureaus, government facilities, anywhere else within the governmental system, including the FBI, potentially the CIA, the FDA, and even the DEA. And of course, this was meant uh, to attack 136 agencies around the world to gain their jobs, and they even got jobs within Interpol. And now, what, what happened with this whole entire instance and internal investigation, and how did they actually do it so precisely and make it to have an actual balance and actual success? Well, in the midpoint of the attack, the agents were able to be hired in as accountants, IRS agents, FBI double agents, and even agents for the FDA and DEA, as we said before, and even the Coast Guard. And Scientology even created espionage with Interpol, as I said before, internationally, early on in the double agent operation. And the whole entire plan was put in place with all double agents under the authority of Hubbard himself, which Hubbard oversaw the whole uh, operation, and he had two other people that also assisted him in what he called the Guardian, which is sort of similar to other cults' main building of operations that is under the guise of something different so that the government won't actually know them. So the person that was hired to the persistent position of assistant guardian, meaning he was always in direct connection with Hubbard the whole time, was a man known as Michael Meijer, and the second man was known as Gerald Bennett Wolf, who would stand as the main individual to steal the most important high-value documents related to Scientology within the FBI. So for a period of about a half decade, every agent did everything in their power to copy, steal, and destroy every single unlikable document they could get their hands on, and also steal government documents that would make their government agencies vulnerable which is one of the other reasons this breach was so important to be unraveled and by the special authorities and the government. Ultimately, about two years after most of the document success was achieved, the plot was uncovered similarly to how a person who's underage tries to get into a club with a fake ID. Two of the main double agents, Meiser and Bennett, got caught in the White House library displaying fake identification and said that they used to work for the IRS, which ended up not adding up. As a result, the FBI agents who stopped them ended up reporting them, and thus the whole event was uncovered. But there was another operation called Operation Freakout, which was the real-life version of wrongful imprisonment and a real-life version of what most cons crazy conspiracy theories actually end up becoming, uh, or actually end up requiring to be true. What the occurrence was, the Scientologists began to take aim at a certain author and journalist by the name of Paulette Cooper, who wrote an entire news segment entitled The Scandal of Scientology, and in which she informed the public of her recent critiques of the cult group and why it is a danger to socially uh, accept them, among other critiques that were not looked at in a positive way. Perceiving that she could be their eventual downfall and unravelment, within their advancements within both politics and other governments, and the spread of the cult group as an organization, the church ended up coming up with this operation to try and silence her by having her either committed to a psychiatric ward, ironically, or frame her with a crime to get her arrested with heavy legal penalties. First, to begin with, and to have the plan put into action, they'd have to think of a way to frame Pauline, and they might have gotten away with it if it wasn't for Operation Snow White failing, since it failed right at the time when they were about to start the second operation. And actually they ended up wanting to actually kidnap Meijer due to the fact that Wolf was already indicted for everything that occurred. And of course what ended up happening was they had to ultimately frame her with someone who sounded like Pauline. So they paid someone off to sound like Pauline and they were essentially going to make a phone call to certain Arab nations and inscribe a 
letter with her signature that was completely fabricated, threatening certain Arab nations. They would then contact the FBI with their quote-unquote tip that they found that she was wanting to threaten all of them. That was the first plan. And of course, the second plan was that she would ultimately try to assassinate the president, and that would be a fake letter as well, and they would ultimately find it, quote-unquote, and get her committed to a psychiatric ward. And of course, as I mentioned originally, this only failed, most likely, because of Operation Snow White failing. And of course, it is very, very important to never ever be associated with them, because overall, you could instantaneously be caught in the act of criminality, even if that's not at all what you stand for. And of course, with that, we will leave it there, and I will talk to you guys uh, next Sunday for another cult episode on the Cult Exclusive Podcast Show. God bless, and take care. Pray and listen to the right voice, and stay safe. The Code Exclusive Podcast show is recorded and distributed independently through the host platform of Anchor.fm. My show is edited independently and distributed to Anchor.fm, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Pocket Casts. All rights regain before the recording and any literal quotations are used with permission. Any quotations that are not word for word have been changed and refurnished to avoid any and every form of plagiarism or copyright infringement. If you or someone you know has been involved in a court formation, in a cult formation, and would like to publicly tell his or her side of the story, or someone who runs their own podcast production, or would simply enjoy being a guest on the Cult Exclusive Podcast show for a guest episode, I might message you my personal calendar invitation with an invitation message. Or you can message me a personal DM to my Facebook page on the Cult Exclusive Podcast show, or to Instagram at Jonathan of the Cult Exclusive Podcast down bar with no spaces. Or you can also find me on Twitter at Jonathan of the Cult exclusive with no spaces and that will come up as jonathan40804 thanks for listening and talk to you next week and have a blessed day